Hey guys, welcome to The Nursing Co-op. I am so excited that you're here. On this podcast, our goal is to build your confidence, expand your knowledge, and create a supportive, cooperative community for nurses, one nurse at a time. My name's Ashley. I'm a registered nurse on a mission to empower nurses to build meaningful careers and change nursing culture along the way. In our time together, I hope to share my experiences, provide you with resources, and create a space where you can find your footing as a nurse without judgment. We will unravel nursing topics and make connections with amazing guests to give you all of the tools that you need to build an incredible life and career. I believe that it takes a village to build a strong nurse. We are your village. This is The Nursing Co-op. What's up, guys? Welcome back to The Nursing Co-op. On today's episode, we are talking about how to get your patient ready for a cath lab procedure and how to receive them after they have recovered from that cath lab procedure. This is just a few quick little tips, and this is definitely for those of you who are in cardiac units where you are actually seeing patients who have gone to the cath lab. But I think that any of these things that I'm going to talk about, any of these tips can be helpful for you if you ever have to take a patient to a procedure or hand them off for a procedure of any sort. I think all of these things are important to consider. Some of them are definitely specific to the cath lab because of the procedures that we do. But in general, These types of tips are things that just get you ready to have your patient go on a field trip, which is always a little bit stressful. There's always something to remember. There's always pieces to consider regardless of where you're going. Taking a patient away from their room always becomes some big to do in some way. So any of these things will be helpful for you regardless of where you're taking them. But I'm going to be talking about this specifically from the perspective of if you are having a patient who's going to a cath lab procedure specifically. And if they aren't going to a so-called pre-cath area. So Certain hospitals will have pre-cath where a patient will go and they're prepped for their procedure there. So you don't have to worry as much. But I think in particular in my hospital on the weekends, we don't have that service. So when a patient comes to us to the cath lab, we have to do all of that. So these are things to consider just to ease that process a little bit. And if you have these done before they even go to a pre-cath area, if they are an inpatient, you're going to make that person's life so much easier. So let's go with a little bit of backstory here. If you have a patient who's going to be coming to the cath lab, there's a number of procedures that might be happening. But if we're talking specifically about cardiac cath lab, the big ones that we see most often are patients coming for an actual left heart catheterization, uh, a right heart catheterization, or a pacemaker. Those are the three biggest ones that we see on a regular basis in the lab where I work. In addition to all the other interventional radiology and ablations and structural heart, all of those procedures. But if we're talking about basics, let's talk about this from the perspective of just a regular old heart cath. Those are the biggest ones that you're going to see. And that's the most common thing that you're going to have your patients be going for, that and pacemakers. And I think unfortunately, There's not a ton of education that goes on in the hospital about what even happens in the cath lab, what life looks like there, what we actually have to do. I know that when I worked in the ICU, I really had no idea of what went on behind those closed doors. It was just someplace that patients went sometimes and they came back to me. It's not often communicated what 
the work looks like on the other side, what the patient actually is having done, what the process is, so that you can consider what you'd want to get prepped for that procedure. Now, of course, you have you might have seven patients, you may have two if you're in the ICU, you may have four if you're in step down, regardless of where you are, you have multiple patients and multiple responsibilities. So these things that I'm talking about, most of them are little extras. These are not humongous things that are make or break. There are a couple on the list that I think are very important to consider if you have a patient going that you should put on your priority list. But if you run out of time, some of these, that's gonna ha- it's going to fall on us and that happens. But there are a few big pieces to consider. And if you have the ability to prep your patient, it makes the flow so much better for both you and that patient for when they're getting picked up and being shipped off. So let's start with the prep. If you have a patient who you know is going to get a heart catheterization or a pacemaker, if they're going to the cath lab, these are a few things to keep in mind before they ever get sent off. Now, ideally, you should have orders in place when a patient's going to be going to the cath lab, but that's in a perfect world. Oftentimes, this doesn't happen, and oftentimes it's because the doctors aren't putting those orders in. Maybe they kind of ordered this on the fly, and they're not even in the hospital. Uh, Maybe they just got a call for a consult, and this is what was decided, and they haven't put the orders in. So that can add an extra challenge. So if you run into that scenario, you know your patient's going to the cath lab, but you don't see any new orders, number of things that you can do there. First thing, I would talk to your charge nurse or another very experienced nurse on your unit about what's going on and what to do. Because they may have some advice about like, oh yeah, this is Dr. So-and-so. He never puts his orders in. Let me give him a call. Oh, you know, you know that you're going to need to do this, this, and that. They all have the knowledge for you to support you if you've never gotten a patient ready for this and you're without orders. They should be in there. That should be the norm. But we all know that what should happen does not always happen. So just if you know your patient's going for a procedure like that and you don't see any new orders, I would check in with someone like your charge nurse for support there. But in terms of what to consider, big one is whether your patient is NPO. They should be NPO typically for at least 12 hours before a cath procedure. Um, Usually it's NPO at midnight before the procedure happens the next day. And then they're NPO that whole day regardless of when the procedure is. That's usually what the order ends up looking like. So make sure that your patient is not eating because if we, when they come to us, We get them on the table. We give them sedation medication. We do not want them to have anything in their stomach in case they aspirate or the sedation medication we give them causes respiratory depression or an emergency happens and we need to then intubate or they need to go for surgery or cardiac surgery. They cannot have anything in their stomach for that because they're at much higher risk of aspiration, infection, all sorts of complications if that is the case. So they need to be NPO meaning nothing by mouth, before these procedures. If we run into a scenario where we're calling and we're coming to get your patient and we hear that they ate, oftentimes that procedure is then going to be canceled. So consider that for your patient's sake. Of course, if it is an emergent procedure, that is a totally different story. If your patient's suddenly a STEMI, we consider that risk and we weigh the pros and cons and obviously we move forward and take them to the cath lab. So if you if you have a patient who has a sudden change, it's an emergency. None of these things apply. It's handled in a totally different way. But if we have a scheduled cath, make sure your patient's NPO. Next thing, 
is consents. So there should be orders in for consent for these procedures. So let's just assume it's a perfect world and there are consents. If not, again, this is a scenario you can chat with your charge nurse about or you could call down to the cath lab and ask them about this. Because if you can get those consents done ahead of time, makes a big difference. At the very least, if you do not see consents, but you have a patient you know they're going for this cath, I want you to at least consider whether they can consent for themselves. If you have a patient who is intubated or very confused, they have a power of attorney or somebody that's signing everything for them, making decisions for them, consider whether that family member or whoever it is, whether they're there whether they're available by phone, because sometimes we get patients down to the cath lab. We don't know as much about them as you do. So when we get them there and we're like, crap, this patient can't can't consent for themselves, then we're scrambling, trying to find someone who can consent for them, trying to get a hold of a family member. It can get a lot more complicated. So if ahead of time you have considered, you know, maybe there's a family member at the bedside, but they're going to leave. Maybe you ask, hey, can you stick around your your mom is having a heart cath in about an hour they should be coming to pick her up if you could consent or if you just call you have the number ahead of time or call them and say hey just make sure you're by your phone they're going to be calling for telephone consent for this procedure that little piece makes such a difference it really is helpful and it's good for your patient too because it doesn't delay their care because those sorts of factors can certainly delay care if we can't get a hold of someone for consent or if we didn't know ahead of time that they aren't consentable and now we're kind of scrambling and the, the doctor's trying to rush around trying to do too much. Those little things go such a long way. And this one's true for kind of any procedure. Make sure you consider whether your patient's consentable regardless of where they're going. If they're going to like MRI, CT, they're going to ask you whether your patient's consentable and if not, who can consent for them. So consider that always whenever you're going on a field trip, whether they can consent or whether there is someone there that can consent for them. The next big one is consider whether there are certain drips or meds that should be turned off or held for a procedure. And also consider whether there are certain drips or meds that should be left on for a procedure or given for a procedure. I think the common misconception, depending on the case, and this can get so confusing, so I totally understand it, is that you think you always have to hold blood thinners before any procedure. And that's often the case, but there are certain cases where you do want the blood thinners on. Like if they're having, if this is an end STEMI, the heparin drip that they order, they want that on until they, they're in the cath lab. We turn that off. So don't hold meds for certain cases. Again, this is a, a place where you should be able to eat, have an order. There should be an order there, or at least reach out to someone who has some experience who can answer that question for you, whether you should hold the blood thinners or not. I just wouldn't immediately assume that that is the case. And again, if you have questions about whether you should give a med that morning or whether you should hold the med, it's okay if you have the time to call down to the cath lab and ask that question if you can't get a hold of the doctor. You can also call the doctor who's going to be doing the procedure and ask to clarify that question if you do not have an order. But you can always call us down in the cath lab and just ask that question, and we will usually be able to answer it for you. And we would rather that happen than a case get canceled because uh, they didn't have or they had their blood thinner too close to the case or something like that. So it's always okay to ask. That's the biggest thing here to consider. And then in terms of your drips, 
I would also, if you have a bunch of drips going, if you're in like the ICU, make sure that they have enough of each of those before they get shipped off. Because a lot of times we don't have the same medications down in procedure areas, regardless of where they're going. We won't have the same meds in our Pixis. So then we've got to scramble, kind of calling pharmacy, picking up a med, and it becomes more of a hassle and more of an emergency than it needs to be. If you could just hang, you know, if you've got LevaFed going and it's almost empty, just throw another bag up there and that way we can just spike that bag and it's not as big of a deal. So if you have the time, take a look at your drips and just see if there's something that's going to run out that you could just throw an extra on your IV pole for us because then we don't have to scramble to get that med. The last really big one I want you to consider before they go to any procedure, especially to the cath lab, is what lines do they have? What IVs do they have? And do they actually work? I can't tell you how many patients we get that we go to try and use that IV and it's no good. It's blown. It's pulled out. It's leaking. Um, There's no way to look at it because the dressing is totally occluded with like dried up blood. So it's hard to tell whether it's working at all. That delays care so much because then we have to kind of scramble to throw in an IV. Maybe they're a really hard stick. We don't have time to put in for a VAT consult or anything like that. And so these things just delay care. So if we, if ahead of time, we know that all those IVs work, whatever they have, it makes life so much easier and it's so much better for your patient. It saves them from some pain during the procedure because we're moving really fast We don't have a lot of time to be nice, I guess, when it comes to putting an IV in because we're scrambling to get that so we can get this procedure done, especially if it's any sort of emergency. But what would save so much time is if at the beginning of your shift, you know your patient's going to be going down in the afternoon to the cath lab and you check and, ah, shoot, that right IV isn't working. I'm going to put in a consult for like a VAT consult to get another one or can I throw in another one right now just real quick so that they have a working IV? It is so helpful and it really helps with your patient's care. So make sure their IVs actually work. And if you have time, if you want to go above and beyond, consider what procedure your patient's having done. So if your patient is having a pacemaker, for example, we would want an IV on the side that the pacemaker is going. So if they're getting a left-sided pacemaker, which is the most common side, If there's some reason they can't have a left side, if they have some big wound there or something like that, we would go on the right. Typically, it's on the left. And so we want a left-sided IV in that case because we do what's called a venogram where we inject contrast and that helps the doctor get access for the actual pacemaker. And we need that uh, IV on the same side as the pacemaker for that to actually work. So sometimes we get patients, especially on the weekends when we don't have prep staff, And we have to kind of scramble to get that IV on the left side. Now, this is an above and beyond. Typically, they don't put in an order for this. So if you forget or don't have time, it's not something that we typically expect people to do. But it saves us so much time. We're so grateful when a patient has an IV on the correct side. At the very least, if you have a patient who's an inpatient for an extended period, it's better to have more than one IV anyway. So if you have one on each arm, you, you know you're covered. So that can be super helpful as well. But that's an above and beyond piece for sure. Another above and beyond is if you can shave your patient, if they're coming for a left heart cath or a right heart cath, um, typically a left heart, but we would want the wrist shaved. So like for our men, uh, shaved around the, the radial 
artery. And then also we would want their groin shaved, so left and right sides for access. We're going to do that regardless. So it saves us time, again, if your patient is already shaved. And then for a pacemaker, it's their chest that we would shave. So if you know your patient's going for one of these and you have an extra five minutes to do that, it means the world to us. If not, that's an extra. Um, And then also, of course, make sure that your patient has had a CHG bath if they're going for a procedure, especially something like a pacemaker, where it's going to be an open procedure. They should always have a CHG bath and that should be ordered. But just think of that if if they're going for a procedure like that, where you're making an actual hole in a pocket, you want a CHG. Okay, so that was a quick, kind of quick prep piece for you. So things to consider before your patient goes to the cath lab. Again, most of those are kind of above and beyond, but if you can, the big things you really want to make sure you're considering that your patient is MPO, that any meds or drips that are going to interfere with the procedure are held or turned off or left on, depending on the scenario. Typically, we're worried about holding meds, so consider that. And then make sure that you have a working IV and that they're consentable. Those are the biggest pieces that you really want to know before, basically before you go to any procedure. But especially for the cath lab, those are big ones. All right. So I think we spent enough time just talking about preparing your patient for a procedure, especially in the cath lab. So I'm going to break this up. We'll have part two coming um, either next week or the week after for what to consider post-procedure, especially in terms of the cath lab. So we'll throw that together in an episode so that these remain small and digestible. That's always my goal. But I always amaze myself with how long I can talk for. I always think like, oh, no, no, this is going to take two minutes to talk through this. And it's it's always like 20 minutes later that I'm like, oh, nope, I'm long winded. So let's break this up so that this is digestible. This is just prep. We'll talk about what what happens after they come back to you in our next episode. If you guys have any questions on how to prepare your patient for a procedure of any sort, especially if it is the cath lab, I can certainly answer those, cath lab or interventional radiology. I am happy to answer those questions. If you've got tips that you found are really helpful in terms of preparing your patient for a field trip, let me know and I'll share it with everyone because I don't know about you guys, but that can be the most stressful part of the job is just getting your patient ready to go somewhere. Especially, I don't know, in the ICU, I always felt like it was a scramble because they've got like 42 lines and everything's tangled and (laughs) then you got to call respiratory or then you got to do this and on the floor too, right? You got to call respiratory if they've got this oxygen thing or they have a treatment going. Oh my God, there's so many little pieces. It can be so overwhelming. So if you have questions, if you have tips, definitely share them with me. If you found this episode helpful or if you know someone who works in a cardiac unit who often sends their patients off to the cath lab, send them this episode so that we can share this. I can hear from them. We can grow this community. That is always the goal. And if you do, please tag me because I love to see you guys share with your friends. I love to share that with everyone and connect with you. That's the... And the bleh, <laughs> I can't talk today. That is the whole goal of this podcast. Um, Normally I would cut that out, but I'm not going to because it made me laugh. So I'm assuming it might make you laugh or you're going to be like, oh my God, turn this off. Okay. I hope you guys have a really great week. Keep an eye out for an upcoming episode about what to do after your patient comes back from a procedure like the cath lab. I've also got a couple really cool interviews that are going to be coming out. So it's either going to be the post- what to do after your patient comes back next week or an interview that I'm really anxious to release. So 
we'll see. It's either going to be that one in one week or two weeks. That was a confusing way to explain that. Just look out for episodes. Really cool episode coming out with a giveaway. So keep an eye out for that interview. I will let you know when it drops and I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for spending some time with me and our community in the nursing co-op. If you liked this episode and found some value in the content, please share it with any and all of your nursing friends on social media and tag me at Ashley underscore nursing co-op so that I can thank you personally. That way, we can continue to build this community and change nursing culture for the better. I can't wait to see what we create. I will see you next week, but until then, happy nursing.